Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this evening is from 1 Thessalonians 1, excuse me, 1, 1 to 10, so you may be seated. A close game is good to watch, right? That's for sure. Reed Lessing, the author of our series, is a serious and avid football fan. And of course, you know I'm not. <laughs> However, it is always entertaining watching my family watch football. <laughs> Especially when, well, not so much when they're losing. Then it's not fun at all. Well, anyway, it's even more exciting when there is that, the two-minute warning. Yep, the two-minute warning goes back to the NFL's earliest days when, ref when referees' wristwatch was the official time clock. Oh, now we have Fitbits, don't we? And whatever else is around our wrist. But the wristwatch, that is what kept the time. Well, in the 1960s, the NFL went ahead and made the stadium clock the official time. But they kept the two-minute warning. Well, because you know what? It built excitement and gave time for commercials. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 has a lot in common with the two-minute warning. Paul says world history is almost over, and I'm cutting out a little bit, so I'm going to move over to the pulpit anyway. Okay. Paul says that history is almost over. Coming close to the end. Time is short. The game is on the line. And yet, how do we live? Do we live as, with, as if we, it, there is no need to be urgent? Do we think, you know what? It's been 2,000 years. I wonder how much longer he's going to wait. Ah, live and let live. We've got plenty to do games to go to, kids to cart around, grandkids to go ahead and watch their games as well. I wonder if some of us even think about our Lord's return. Paul protests because we are living in the last days. Christ's return is imminent. Believers have to have a plan. We need that two-minute drill. And what does that look like? Paul goes ahead and lays it out in 1 Thessalonians. Rest in grace. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We continue to remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, history is coming to an end. Yes, Christ is indeed coming to judge the world, both the living and the dead. Yes, all will appear before God's judgment seat. But he is not asking us to panic. It is not the time to freak out 
You see, the best NFL quarterbacks, John Elway, Joe Namath, Johnny Unitas, Bart Starr, Peyton Manning, when they were faced with the two-minute drill, they always exuded a quiet confidence. You know, having the 19th nervous breakdown isn't going to help anybody, is it? So where do we get this quiet confidence? Paul says that we are in the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. One of Paul's most frequent expressions is in Christ. He uses it over 170 times in his 13 letters. And to be in Christ is to be in grace, to live in grace. You know, being in grace is like being in a diving competition and having a belly flop. And you know what? And the judge gives you a 10. I don't think that happens very often, does it? God gives us a 10 in spite of our constant belly flops. Paul says, grace creates faith, love, hope. Faith draws us closer to God. Love draws us closer to one another. Hope draws us closer towards Christ's second coming. It's not a time to panic or to freak out. We don't need a Maalox moment. It's time to rest in grace. Which means that in Christ, you get a 10. Second, witness to others. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. So to make the most of every opportunity during the two-minute drill, teams often employ the no-huddle offense. The time is short. No need to waste it on huddling, right? That's what the Thessalonians are doing. They are making the most of every moment, every opportunity, and that means one thing. You see, in the Christian church, it means one thing, witnessing to others. They told people, hey, belly flops may be painful, they may be ugly, they may be messy, but they're not the end. Remember, grace means a ten. Paul says, the Lord's message rang out. Exekeita. As you see it up there from the root word, exekeo. Kind of sounds like that English word, what it is. Echo. You know, an echo that it repeats the original message, what is spoken. Our witness is to echo God's word. You don't need to make the stuff up. Our witness to the world is not based on some kind of mountaintop experience, some kind of intense emotion or what we feel like. It's not like, you know, I had a quiver in my liver and an ocean of emotion. And that's what God told me. No. No. It is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 
We are to echo what God says in His Word. You see, the first gift that Paul mentions in 1 Thessalonians is grace. And the last thing that Paul mentions is grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 1 Thessalonians 5.28 Grace in the beginning, grace at the end, grace, and we echo it. We speak grace. We share grace. We work grace with grace. We shop with grace. We learn with grace. The church is that loud echo of grace. Number three, turn from idols. You see, oh, let's see, they tell you, or they tell us how you turn to God from idols to serving the living and the true God. Next slide, please. I didn't mark this. You see, Mount Olympus was only 50 miles away from Thessalonica, the residence of the Greek gods. If you, lived in, if you lived in Thessalonica and were going to plant crops, you would pray that God of, God of harvest, the God of the soil, the God of the weather. If you're doing business, you would pray to the God that offered you success in business. But when the Spirit opened the, the Thessalonians' heart to Jesus, they realized that their greatest problem wasn't the harvest. It wasn't the success or the failure of their business. The greatest problem was that they had offended the holy and the just God. Their greatest problem. And so Paul told them that Jesus poured out his blood to forgive them, that he rose on the third day and to embrace them, and he's coming again to restore them. Dr. Lessing had talked to some African immigrants at, who belonged to St. Augustine Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He asked one man from Mozambique what he thought of the United States. Well, among other things, he said, you know what? You Americans worship three gods. During the winter, you worship the big fat guy with the red suit. In the spring, you worship a rabbit. And in the fall, you sacrifice turkeys. I wish we only had three gods. But we all know that there are a whole lot more. Maybe for you, it's a lover, Alexis, labor, leisure, the liking on social media, impressing your society, or sucked up by gaming, fantasy, or on the field. Listen, the two-minute drills don't have time for competing opinions. There's only one person who calls the shots. We don't have time for competing gods. Paul admonishes us to turn from idols and to give our life over to following the living God. Number four, wait for Christ. 
and to wait for his son from heaven, who, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Sorry, sports fans. This is where the analogy for 1 Thessalonians ends. In a close game in NFL teams, they don't know if they're going to win or if they're going to lose. That's not us. We know the outcome, and there is no doubt about it. Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath. There was a duck hunter who was in a wide open land of southwest Georgia. And on the horizon, he saw the smoke billowing and realized the terrible truth that there was a brush fire coming his way. You know what he did? He went ahead and lit his own fire and burned out a spot around him. And then he stood in that burnt spot and the fire went around him. When Jesus Christ returns in judgment, or excuse me, when Christ returns, the judgment of God will be a fire. It will be powerful. It will be cleansing. But if we stand in the burnt-out place, we will be saved. The scorching fire came near. But if, and you ask, where is that burning place? That burning place is with the crucified Jesus. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. The face of the wrath of God, it is the Lord's death that we proclaim. And we, there we stand while we wait for our Lord Jesus Christ. When we finally realize that time is short and we don't have all the time in the world, everything. I mean everything changes. Just ask any NFL quarterback. <laughs> Better yet, ask Paul. Amen. Now for next week, I want you to go ahead and read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 10 to 13. And answer these questions, and they're listed in your bulletin there. If you don't have one, please pick one up on your way out. Question number one. Have you prayed for someone in the way that Paul prays for the Thessalonians? Number two. Why does Paul chiefly pray for the Thessalonians to increase in love? And what does that tell you about our own prayers? Number three. Who is going through a difficult season in their life that you will pray for? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.